We can finally say it. Rocket takes flight while Zaga has UCLA crashing to Earth. It's time for a spring ball preview, and we answer your Twitter questions. You're listening to Can't Read, Can't Write. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Can't Read, Can't Write, the podcast that proves to Wolverines Spartans can talk. I'm Mike Jones, joined, of course, by the man who is always late to the party, Kevin Grek, and everyone's favorite carbonated water aficionado, (laughs) Alex Plum. We all knew that Uh, Plum was an aficionado, but now we know what of. Yes, yes. It was carbonated water the whole time. Grek. You were late. You can be quiet. Plum, how are you? Oh, uh, you know, Greg the Grooch almost killed the mood today because he was so late to this party. But not to fear. I have my Soda Stream bottle filled up with a nice, uh, nice flavorless carbonated treat for myself tonight. Flavorless, and, huh? Ooh. Yeah. And yeah. Greg is risen. He is here. Uh, Greg, how are you doing, buddy? I've always considered myself to be the Christ-like figure of the podcast, so I appreciate what you've done there. Uh, And I'm well. Thank you. Uh, Thank you all for tuning in and listening. If we could ask you the small favor, please share the pod with Spartans in your life. Of course, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you find podcasts. I didn't see any new reviews this week. I'm sorely disappointed in every single one of you. Wow. Uh, you can give us like a follow full YouTube on this now. <laughs> you smash that subscribe button. Dude, you guys know that half of our listeners aren't subscribed? What's wrong? <laughs> Have you been eating lead chips? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, of course, give us a follow on Twitter <laughs> at Spartan underscore pod. Uh, Greg, what is the structure of the show as you contributed to the outline some? Oh, some, in spite of being late to the podcast, uh, was on the uh, laptop in the car. Yeah, Uh, we got Greenwall, we got non-Greenwall, we got Off-Gram River, and then we got Twitter questions. Why did you sound like Tracy Morgan when you said that? I Uh, love Tracy Morgan, that's probably why. Of course, Greenwall Probably. is where we where where we cover the news that is all of MSU in the past week off Grand River, where we take a look at the stories going on around the nation. And Twitter questions is pretty self explanatory. So uh, let's start. Why why do you have Zaga UCLA in the Greenwall? Because it needs to be talked about up front. Last night's game between the Zags and the Bruins was incredible. And it ended, of course, everyone knows about this. Uh, it ended in a last second heave uh, for three to, to stop going to second overtime. My question, though, I'm sure this has been discussed ad nauseum. Wait, before you, before you say it, that, I feel like in the tournament, this was the first sort of moment for the tournament. Normally, you have buzzer beaters at some point during the tournament. Like, you have something sort of iconic that has happened. Sure. It felt like we got to the final four for that to happen, and pity that it was not the Cinderella story who right, did it. Right, but right. but all the same, Zaga has its charming a charming season in and of itself. Aside from the fact that some of their players have very punchable faces, but um, <laughs> anyway, Greg, uh, I, I I return to you. No, uh, my question is, uh, what's his name for Gonzaga? Was running Suggs? Yeah was running straight towards the basket, streaking towards the basket on the inbound to hoist up that three. 
Why do teams still let players in that situation orient themselves towards the basket? You have got to push them towards the sideline in those situations. And the the worst part is that these types of situations happen every game. It happens to end the first half in every game. So a pretty significant majority of these games. So I don't understand how players let this happen, but it was a fantastic moment. That game was amazing overall. Um, just incredible. Like, unbelievable game. And I, I'm really looking forward to tomorrow night. I mean, we lost Gonzaga Baylor earlier in the season because of uh, COVID complications, but now we're going to get it in the championship game. So uh, having the two most efficient teams in the country square off um, is going to be something yeah. to see. But uh I like the Zags to have their first undefeated, the first undefeated season since the seventies. Uh, is it is it Sean McDonough? McDonough, Donough? McDonough. Thank yeah. you. Commentator. Uh, yeah, who was who famously called trouble the snap? Yeah, it was was calling that game and had a very similar voice crack to what what he did and i would just like to say that there's something about jalen's that bring that out of him ah i see what you did uh i i will say greg to your point that up haven't you i i tweeted a little bit earlier today i was very proud of myself um very good but uh (laughs) greg it reminds me a bit there was what last year that there was one game that uh that Cassius had a was it might have been at halftime. Yeah. Had a a half court-ish heave. Yeah. That didn't count. They called it off. And then in I believe the very next game against Maryland, he had another one that was like a three-quarter court heave. And it did count. It did. And it just and I remember him saying, I soon as they I knew that they let me get two dribbles in it was going to be good. Mm. And it, and it just, to your point though, it, you know, when you have very talented basketball players like Akashis, Jalen Suggs, I mean, different games, but obviously a wonderful basketball player. How do you, how do you let them do that? Like in what world do you let them even touch the ball? Yeah. I mean, you just got to make them a little bit uncomfortable in those situations, but like every one of them that I can think of, the player was, completely under their own control and able to, you know, make the shot that they wanted to make under those circumstances. Like, um, you, you can't let that happen. No, you can't. And it, ha- the worst part is that it happens so frequently in college basketball that I don't know how these things do take place. I mean, did I did UCLA think they were going to run the half court offense. Like uh, with I three mean, seconds to play, <laughs> right? like, a, you know, it, and, Actually, that was not the first in my mind screw up that UCLA had in that game because near the end of regulation, they took their full eight seconds that they always take mm-hmm. to get up the court when there was not a full shot clock left. Like they had the last possession and they took their sweet time getting up the court. There was no sense of hustle. And it's like the, it's just a, a well, I'm, yeah, I'm and also apparently it, but... Mick Cronin does not save a timeout for that last possession. He doesn't use them. Um, he didn't save a timeout in overtime, and then also he chose not to use a timeout at the end of regulation, which also surprises me. I'd... 
it's weird. Yeah, you have to simultaneously applaud him and scratch your head. It's weird uh, for me. Like I expect Izzo to always take a timeout in that situation. I just know it's going to happen. And he always does. Um, it's very odd when I see a game where it doesn't take place. Uh, I'm still reeling from it. It's just so fun, but amazing. Uh, our, uh, absolutely incredible game. Yes. It, it, yes. It, a genuine classic. Um, so let's talk about, uh, football. Mm-hmm. Shall we? Um, we will of course get to the big basketball news, but first the sport that kind of leads this week, uh, <laughs> is football. The Spartans are in full spring practice uh, mode, and we will preview the offensive side of the ball. But before we do, MSU picked up a big transfer this week in a Louisville wide receiver, Christian Phillip, uh, sorry, Christian Fitzpatrick. He's the second Louisville transfer. Greg, uh, or you actually, um, I will let Plum round this out, but Greg, you said uh, some not glowing things about the transfer as soon as I texted you too. Oh yeah. Because he's a three-star trash recruit. Is that why? <laughs> yes. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah. He didn't have an MSU offer out of high school and he did just come out of uh, South Hill, Michigan, but plum to you, my friend. I, I, I was just excited that we had another wide receiver because that's been an area where we, we definitely need some help. Uh, and then Grooch, uh, took all of the wind out of my sails with the three-star garbage comment, and I immediately changed my thumbs up to, I believe, an exclamation point, tap back, finally, a thumbs down. So, Plum had already <laughs> ordered his Christian Fitzpatrick uh, jersey. jersey. I pre-ordered it. Yeah, I did. <laughs> and then I, they won't give me a refund either, which was my own fault from trying to buy it through Tops. But, you know, <laughs> I know. It's uh, me. So the the upside on Christian Fitzpatrick is that people may remember Trayvon Morgan um, or um, Travion, sorry, Morgan mm-hmm. um, transferred out of MSU, who is a six, seven wide receiver that we all thought was going to be a red zone threat. Uh, Christian Fitzpatrick is a six, four, 200 pound wide receiver. He's not small by way of wide receivers. Um, so a nice big body for the red zone uh, did not play a ton as freshman year due to an injury. Um, and while yes, a three-star prospect out of high school, uh, Alan Treu of, uh, 24 seven did peg him as a power five conference starter. Um, and, uh, he is a mm, upper mid, uh, three-star prospect. So, I mean, um, he had some offers. He had a West Virginia offer. He had a Penn state offer, Oregon, Iowa state, Iowa, uh, Indiana, Illinois, uh, BC, Wayne, uh, Washington state. So he, I mean, he had some offers, just not one from MSU for one reason or another. So I wasn't aware of him as a recruit. You know, I'm going to say, I I think the way that Tucker has been talking about his player profile, who he's trying to bring onto the team, what his expectations are, what we're seeing in spring ball right now, you guys got guys, we've got guys coming in from Louisville, from wherever else got a little bit of size, got a little bit of stock to him. Uh, I think that this is a kind of player you call mid what do you call mid pro mid three star prospect. I don't know what you call him. Something like mid and rising. I this is the kind of guy I hope that Tucker could could take and could develop. And uh, if we only use him in the red zone, then perfect. If he's able to put some points on the board because he's you know completing passes, perfect, great. Add it to our repertoire. I mean, that, again, this is an area where we have to have more depth. We can't just continue to try to feed the ball and run, especially when we're when we're that close. 
So something else related to transfers before we get into sort of a position breakdown that I wanted to chat about was transfers generally, because uh, obviously we've talked about and, and have sort of echoed the comments of Mel Tucker that there's a lot of them and that there will be more and that there's huge roster turnover. And so uh, the this past week, uh, Drew Jordan, who's a defensive end from Duke and Kenneth Walker, who is a running back from Wake Forest, were made available to media. And they were, you know, there were a couple things they were asked about that were interesting to me. One is sort of the recruitment process uh, as part of the transfer portal. And then how are you, how are you sort of fitting in with the team? What's that process like for you? Um, And I want to talk about those things, but in the, in, in sort of the context of it also say something that, um, Nick Bumgarner from The Athletic was talking about in in discussing Mel Tucker's strategy at in the transfer portal, which is that uh, we had a lot of roster depletion, generally speaking, mm-hmm. and that practices probably weren't very competitive. And so even if all of these transfers don't play, that if nothing else, they're going to push someone else to win that job. Whereas before we could say, you know, you might be able to, say, and I think stats would bear this out, that it was sort of a succession model at uh, under the D'Antonio era. A little bit, yeah. And yeah, and and clearly at some point in time that worked and at some point in time that wasn't really working anymore. So, you know, if you're Mel Tucker, you need to push the guys that exist on the roster that you want to keep or bring in talent who's better. Either way, you're winning, right? Like, you know, we can, for Kenneth Walker, for instance, looks to be the real deal and we'll preview him in a bit. But, you know, if he pushes Elijah Collins to be the stud back again, oh, okay. (laughs) Right? Like, that's not a bad thing. Yeah. Um, We should clarify. I I think D'Antonio kind of preferred the older guys, but it was like a, you know, in in the episode, you know, in the event of a tie, it goes to the to the more sure. uh, senior member of the team. Cause Eli Collins is a great example of a guy that came in and took snaps right away. Right. Yes. Yeah. Nope. Fair point. Fair point. Uh, I, I guess what was interesting though, is talking or listening to Drew Jordan and, and Kenneth Walker talk is that they were saying all the right things about, you know, uh, you got to lead by example before you can become a leader. Um, you know, that uh, they're, they're just coming here to compete for, for reps, for a role. When talked about, uh, when talking about the the actual process of being recruited, it was very clear <laughs> that the staff had said, "This is what you will do here," um, and and so I, you know, I, that can't, that surely cannot be true of all the transfers who have come in. I, mm-hmm. I think of some of the DBs we've brought in that I think probably that's a space where there'll be a lot of competition. But uh, these dudes struck me as guys who were penciled in for a role today. Mm-hmm. Um, even though they, again, they're saying all the right things about like, and seem to be genuinely good teammates. I I don't know. Uh, It's that, that sort of psychological piece of how do you navigate a new team? How do you fit into a new locker room? And then, you know, how do you not come in being like, I was given a spot. That seems like a dance that is probably not easy. Uh, whether you're the coaching staff trying to sell it to your current roster, you're a new guy trying to fit in. I, I don't know. It just was something that was interesting to me. Indeed. You know what was not interesting? Uh, the things, there was a spring scrimmage this week. Uh, the things that Tucker had to say about it because they were just <laughs> coaching 
Paplum. Just like Paplum, the, most, yes. the most vanilla coach speak. It was it was physical. <laughs> we, had, <laughs> we had physical play, uh, whatever, all that stuff. I read everything that One he said about it. Hit another player. Yeah, and I got nothing out of anything that he said. Am I? Mm-hmm. Was there some nugget in all of that? Did you guys see anything in all of his statements about this, no. this spring scrimmage? Yeah, we can no, move not, on. And I'm that. upset that I didn't. So <laughs> I, I do typically love it. I uh, I mean, you got I, a football team. They're physical. Yeah. They're going to sleep fast. There's 80 some players on scholarship. Uh, well, we yeah, don't know. No, it's like the scholarships. Is so fair point. They, fair point. The tide washes in. It washes out. We're, yeah, it's not clear. Uh, but we are optimistic anyway that uh, that there will be some way for us to view the spring game if there is indeed a spring game. So, um, you know, that's something to look forward to. And probably before that happens, we'll have a conversation about what we would want or need to see um, to feel better about this coming year. So uh, Plum, let's walk through the offensive side of the ball and what we've got going on. So what position do you want to start with? Um, You know what? I'll take the receivers and mostly because um, uh, we just dogged on uh, that poor kid, uh, Christian Fitzpatrick, who we won't spend any time uh, talking about uh, in this section because, well, I think we just did. Um, so we're we're looking fairly good. I think we've got some returning guys in Jalen, Speedy, Naylor, and Jaden Reed, um, two guys who are coming back who were pretty successful. I think Naylor was all third all third team honors in the Big Ten last season. Um, Reed was kind of up there too. Um, so probably looking at them starting. Um, after that, I think there's probably some questions in terms of maybe there's some pretty strong competition this spring to see who can fill in that third um, receiver spot. Uh, you've got Trey Mosley. You've got Ricky White. Um, you could be looking at CJ Hayes, Terry Lockett. You've got a couple different guys. Um, Lockett's interesting. Kid was a uh, freshman wide receiver from 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, was pretty pretty big, well-recruited, I guess. Um so depending on how his off season happened, we didn't see a ton from him uh, last season. Um, again, nothing yeah. big coming through in the portal. So I think, you know, we're, we're, we're pinning a lot on Naylor and Reed and hope that this Tucker program has built them up and exciting to see, you know, how the rest of those guys kind of um, pan out. And also worth noting that from the class of 2021, I, wait, Keon Coleman, is he part of the class? Yeah, Keon Coleman's part of the class of 2020, yeah. right? Yep. So, but he is not on campus, which is why we we are not previewing him for spring ball. I uh, just kind of want to make note of that, that, that they're not there. Got it. Um, or that he's not there. Yeah. Um, but yes, it should be should be a tight competition for that third spot. Uh, Greg, uh, what do you want to chat about? Uh, let's do, I think running backs are crazy interesting because you've got your two camps, right? And there was way less attrition than maybe we expected in the running back room. So, uh, of course, you've got who you already know and adore. Uh, Jordan Simmons, of course, ended last season as the starter. But Connor Hayward left the program and returned last year, ended up taking, by my count, the majority of the snaps, actually. Uh, And then, of course, Eli Collins, who was the breakout freshman from the previous season, all still on the on the roster at the same time. So you have those three yes. guys that you already know, 
And then you add into that two of the highest profile transfers that uh, that Mel has brought in, that Coach Tucker has brought in for this year. Harold Joyner, we we don't know much about. In fact, he's not on campus yet, right? He can't technically yeah, join the team yeah, until the summer. They just, yeah, they didn't give him a spot. And and he will probably be right a bit more of a a situational use guy. Like he probably will will line up for receptions at some point in time. He may be a blocker at times. Like he's a big dude, right? Like he's big and fast. So not a conventional running back as, as I guess my point, but the conventional running back and indeed the story uh, of the running back room is Kenneth Walker out of wake forest who we've discussed at length. And I think most people reading the tea leaves are hearing that this is potentially the dude for this upcoming season. So, um, a lot to watch here, a lot of great storylines. And, you know, this is a, a case where you you can take for granted certain things. Like we already know what we're getting with Jordan Simmons and Eli Collins and, and Connor Hayward. And then you're sprinkling on top of that uh, Kenneth Walker out of Wake Forest and then potentially some kind of contribution from Harold Joyner as well. So uh, very, very interesting uh, and quite a bit to look forward to there. Yeah. Uh, should be improved pass protection in the backfield, uh, as well, which would be oof, great. Um, so if running backs aren't the most interesting, uh, position group, then it's quarterback. <laughs> um, and <clears throat> so currently, you know, Rocky Lombardi was the only transfer out. So you have Peyton Thorne, Theo Day, Noah Kim, and the 2020 ad of Hamp Fay all on campus. Hmm. And we added Anthony Russo from Temple also, who will be a grad transfer for his final year. Um, I, you know, it's... I, I'd be hard-pressed to think that a three-year starter from a group of five school transfers to MSU to just be a backup for another year. Yeah. That said... To the point of our conversation earlier, if Peyton Thorne wins the job, then, I mean, uh, that means Peyton Thorne did some things. So, um, you know, that should be a room with a lot of competition, should be an exciting room. Um, but uh, I would, I really expect that Anthony Russo is the starter. Um, so it, when it, when you're watching spring ball, those are the two dudes to be paying attention to. Uh, and then, you know, Hamp Fay for flavor. Just sprinkle a little uh, hamp in there. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Plum, talk to me about the offensive guard positions because the that's real, actually because the real OG, the real OG is what you're This is what the about. people have tuned in for right here. The real, real OG. <laughs> the real OG. No, again, we've got some more strength coming back. Uh, JD Duplain, uh, Kevin Jarvis, probably both going to be locked in. Duplain started, I think, the last five games of the season last year. Um, Kid is a very solid, I think is one of the top rated um, guys for his position when he came out of Ohio. We don't hold that against him. Um, no. So DePlane should be a lock there. Um, the thing that's interesting about Jarvis, who's also, he's got, got the same amount of time. He's been playing tackle, uh, but we've pulled in Jarrett Horst from Arkansas State. Now, Horst came in in like January and the kid um, did some interesting, um, I'm just going off topic a little bit, but, but Horst did some interesting uh, kind of, got interviewed by sports illustrator basically about coming in to MSU as a commit um, through the transfer portal and talked a lot about um, how aligned he is 
with Tucker's kind of like process, right? The resiliency mindset, the knowing like the, the foundations, like why are you playing football? What is it about your identity? Which is, you know, it's that like psychotherapy thing that I think we've given, um, we've given Tucker some, uh, some hay for, even if he isn't the most, uh, uh, wordy, uh, in spring ball to impress Greg, neither here nor there with, with horse coming from Arkansas state who, who's pretty good at, uh, 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 yeah, the tackle pushing, pushing, um, Jarvis back, um, inward back into the middle, back into the, the guard position. You could see him playing right side, which then leaves, uh, Blake, but, uh, Buter, Buter, Butter, yeah, Buter. Bueller, Bueller, and Matt Carrick. Um, both guys have made nice strides after t- tough start to the season. Um, hopefully, again, spring ball gives them some time to to straighten up. Uh, we'll see. Again, I, I think a lot of this is it's anyone's game, other than I think Jarvis, and, and it's not quite a guard position, but I think he's creating some um, or uh, horse pushing Jar- Jarvis back in the middle. So I think you have some you got some interesting stuff here that could be happening um, at guard, but I, I think the big the big lock for us is JD Duplain. Yeah, uh, and it would be Jarvis at times is our best lineman, has been our best lineman when he's not hurt, and so and he's playing out of position, so it would be nice to see him back in the back middle, to where he is. Which, yep. yeah, uh, Greg, let's talk tackles then because Plum kind of led us into that. Oh, I don't have that up. I'm going to talk centers so, instead. Well, all right, yeah, yeah. It's it's AJ Curry and 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 probably Jared Horst. To see, the there you tackles. go. There you go. I don't have, I didn't write that down because I was assigned centers. Uh, so that was easy because <laughs> same way it's Matt Allen and Nick Sam. Uh, now of course, devotees will recall that Allen is returning to, for his sixth season. Uh, so it feels like ninth. Yes. With all of I his mean, brothers. it's, I, it doesn't help that we've had Allen's for like 10 years now. Um, but so very well respected member of the team, you know, very frequently in the press, you know, as a representative, clearly a leader. Uh, but he got hurt early last season. I, I think second game, maybe something like that. Uh, and Nick took over. So he's been starting at center since then. Uh, so this is quite the competition for the center spot. Who's going to be snapping the ball there? Um, so the question is really how is Matt Allen going to bounce back after that year of injury? Um, and is he going to be able to push for what is now Nick's MX uh, starting job? Uh, so that remains to be seen. Uh, but you know, Nick was doing a good job last year. So it, again, it's another one of those situations where, um, you have to, you have to take the job from a guy who rightfully has it. So we'll see if Matt Allen's able to do that. And then uh, last is the tight ends. So we have Tyler Hunt, former punter, coming back. Trenton Gillison, natural tight end, coming back as well. Ian Stewart. Cam Allen, who is a uh, class of 2020, who enrolled early. Um, Tommy Guajardo, who I believe is out of Ohio, and he was from the class of 2019. And Adam Berghorst, who I believe is also the class of 2019, and was at times a defensive end and also plays baseball. Um, so this is uh, this is a position that that MSU is in desperate need for someone to step up. I honestly would not be surprised if they got a transfer at this position, but we're talking about spring ball right now. So 
Um, you know, Hunt converted punter was fine last year. I mean, by way of converted punters, um, he blocked reasonably well. He accounted for one of our two rushing touchdowns and caught some passes. Uh, so, you know, Hunt, for a number of reasons, should be viewed as the lead man in the room, though Trenton Gillison was a highly rated recruit that we're all desperately hoping finally has his breakout moment. He, uh, fans may recall he had a very good game in the pinstripe bowl Mm -hmm. that was quite encouraging. All of that said, thing of note, uh, Darian Harris, there was some, there was a clip coming out where Darian Harris, who's the, um, what's his title director of community engagement or something to that effect. Um, was was leading a meeting and made reference that Cam Allen, 2020 freshman, is the leader in the room right now, hmm. which, uh, you know, he's a big dude. He's put on some weight. He seems to be pretty quick and has nice hands, but loves to bury the man in front of him. So um, honestly, this is a position that for the first time in a long time has meaningful competition. and seemingly picked up a dude who's excited to be a Spartan and really bought into Mel Tucker. Cam Allen came all the way from Texas. Uh, Never visited Michigan state. Um, It was a very early commitment to Mel Tucker. So I, you know, this is a position that I don't know that it's going to be this year where we want it to be or need it to be, but it is a position to watch as a place of future development and potentially a long-term future leader. So uh, that is the offensive side of the ball. And, uh, and is, you know, guys, I'm ready for some football. Um, so let's switch to hoops. Yeah. 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 All right. Um, so Quiet this week, was right. What's that? Quiet week. We, we stopped recording and then rocket Watts hits the transfer portal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that which we long expected has come to pass. Rocket Watts has officially entered the transfer portal. I think almost just as relevant, he is the only player to enter the transfer portal to date. Uh, I think that's way more surprising to me than Rocket entering it. Uh, I would have expected at least one, maybe two other players to have uh, to have jumped in there by now. Um, before we talk about Rocket, uh, do you guys have that same read? Like, are you just as surprised as I am? Yeah. Yeah, because it, it we reached out to more than one person in the transfer portal and they weren't all point guards. <clears throat> and you you have to I mean, I know there's like complications on being able to talk to Imani Bates and I'm, I I have very complicated thoughts and feelings about everything related to Imani, but you have to believe that Tom Izzo is you know, like it, I, I think Tom Izzo was even on record talking about the idea that do you have to going forward always leave a scholarship spot open hmm. so that you can pick up a grad transfer at the end of the year? Like, is that sort of where we are right now? And so, you know, I don't know if we pick up, you know, if there's only one guy who leaves, I don't know that Izzo picks anyone else up. Yeah, right. I, I You know, unless what it's a that, genuine grad transfer. What does that say about... Does that say something about, uh, I don't know. Does that say something about the call, about a culture of a team about leaving, you know, leaving potentially money on the table because you want to sort of 
play your odds in the transfer portal. It just seems I, like a, I don't know if I like with, that. If, if they get rid of the sit out requirement, he would be foolish not to. Hmm. I it, like you would always have to have one spot to like, if, if there's when, when you're Michigan state, right. And there's only a handful of programs who, who have the cachet to be able to reach out and say, uh, you want to come here? And people say, yeah, I'm interested. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, if, if someone truly exceptional comes into the portal, you know, if you can't make the call, aren't you doing yourself a disservice? Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I just, hmm. it's a great question. I, I, but, um, you know, and, and when you're sitting on the possibility of Amani Bates coming, don't you have to leave a spot open for Amani? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. It, it, it's just, but to Greg's original question. Yeah. I'm surprised. I, you know, uh, it's not clear that Foster Lawyer is going to be able to play next year. So maybe that's why we haven't heard anything. He would be on scholarship, though, unless he's completely leaving basketball. Because we, I mean, the year... Can he not leave and come back? <laughs> Just be like... He, he probably, he buy probably qualifies NCAA. for an scholarship. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know about that. I, I don't know the particulars of that. Um, but uh, I'm very, very surprised that only one player left this week. Uh, in terms, you know, go ahead. I, I I will just say that um, you know, people will call in or not call in, will like write into Graham Couch or Brennan Quinn and ask who else is leaving. And it, who, first of all, who who do you think they are? Are they going to tell you? Are they going to ruin someone else's news? Yeah, like who does that? So they're not going to say anything. That said, it, it seems very clear that they have a strong suspicion that at least one, maybe two other people are actually going to be leaving. So for whatever that's worth. But anyway, starting with regard to Rocket, uh, some of the teams that he is reporting hearing from, I'll be honest, have surprised me. Uh, the, the list is really? something that looks like LSU, Louisville, Florida, Florida State, Xavier, Baylor, UConn, Maryland. Um, Florida State doesn't surprise me, but... Uh, LSU doesn't surprise you? Uh, yeah, I guess that's also true. Will Wade. And Louisville also recruited him hard. Yes. It, it, reportedly, Rocket Watts' family reached out to Louisville before he'd even entered the portal, and they were like, yeah, we got to wait on that. Uh, I believe, if you were following the crystal balls, that Rocket Watts, when he committed to MSU, was actually crystal balled to Louisville at the time. Uh, I seem to remember that. Um, yeah, and then he didn't sign right away. Yeah, it was all pretty weird. It it was all pretty weird. Uh, I didn't expect him, honestly, to get attention from high-level teams like this. But good for him. I mean, I wouldn't love it if he makes it over to Maryland. Uh, but good for him uh, if he lands a, back at a high-major team. Um, and we'll, you know, best of luck to him. I I thought he had a fantastic statement i i've seen a lot of these from players over the years and a lot of them are like you know thanks everyone whatever for life but rockets seemed more sincere and specific in ways um yes yes that uh (laughs) affected me i'll be honest i was for a guy that listeners will know expected and advocated for this basically all season. Right. Uh, 
I got a little bummed out when I was reading his statement. Uh, really bummed out, actually. Ha! 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 <laughs> I, I mean, you know something that was interesting to me about Rocket's statement is because he, you know, he called out people that you, in a lot of these statements for thanks that you don't see exactly called out. And and the the one in particular was related to the academic and tutoring staff that he works with and that that it seemed like making improvements in his grades was really important to him and that he put in and it sounds like based upon Izzo's statement actually which we'll get to that in a second that Rocket put in a ton of work in the classroom and um I know we have a, a broader conversation happening about name image and likeness and and you know what is the value of student athletes and you know whatever, but it was, it was rocket calling out that and the training staff, it, you know, it was just, it read to me like a guy who went through a COVID year that really sucked. Yeah. And, 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 and the people who were closest to him were his teammates and then the people who were helping him get through school and helping keep him healthy. And it, it just, it, it, yeah, it hurt Greg, but it also was, it felt like a window into, God, this must have been a, a real shitty year for a lot of these kids. Yeah. Just like, God, that, your tutors? <laughs> you know, well, like, I mean, athletes spend a lot of time at the Clarabelle Smith Center. One more oh, I, I know, yeah. I know. But I, I just I just mean to say that there, there was nothing else this year. Yeah. It was basketball, trainers, and tutors. That's like all you had. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't care how much you love basketball. That is not what a, a 20 year old has envisioned for their college experience. The other bummer. Yeah. So I, I, at, I, go ahead. No, no, no. Finish that. Looking at this uh, list of schools he might end up at. Probably not anywhere where his mom's going to be able to make another game. Um, for well, that also like, well, not to be, not to be inappropriate, but that's not going to help any of those teams out. Let's just leave it there. You know, what I'll say about um, this is I, I agree. I was not emotionally touched by his uh, letter. Uh, it was well-written, I thought, and very earnest. And I'll give him a ton of credit for that. I liked how he called all those individuals out uniquely, which I think does show a level of character and humanity, which I have often uh, said he lacked over the season, at least when it came to playing basketball. So I will take those words back. Um, and I thought Izzo's uh, 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 comments were well, well worded. I think he was very gracious and diplomatic. I think he acknowledged that even in the best of times, you know, it would have been unreasonable to expect that the change they did with rocket was going to go well. So this was just a bad year. And for all the things you guys have said, this was, those were both very good statements. Um, which were, you know, Izzo's almost was like a letter of recommendation of sort, or like, don't hold this past year against him. Mm -hmm. It was, that was on me, mm -hmm. you know, which I, I, like, isn't that the interesting thing? You don't see, or at least I don't regularly see coach statements when a, a player leaves that are, you, you have Matt Painter last year, pretty much being like, you're not an actual Boilermaker because you left. Like this is Izzo saying like, he's a great kid. He worked real hard in the classroom, you know, and and I put him in a shitty situation. Well, and I think Izzo's trying to figure out how is Izzo's an authentic guy. You know, there's, there's a transfer portal takes on more and more permanence. We're going to see this more and more. This isn't something that Michigan State deals with, right? I mean, you don't no, quite often see guys, they don't leave. Uh, or unless they're going to the NBA, they're not leaving. 
So I think this is new for this program to some extent, as it is for many programs. I mean, it's only becoming more and more popular. And I think this speaks to the level of character that Tom has. So, you know, I think, you know, whether or not we wanted him to be, he was a a go-to leader for this team, um, even if he wasn't good at it. And so I think it was. I think it it does deserve some extra recognition. You didn't see Izzo putting a statement out about Jack Hoiberg. (laughs) So, yeah. Right. No. It, it, yes. Exactly. And and I I think it's you know as as frustrating as we were or frustrated rather as we were with Rockets play. I do think it's worth remembering that last season a year ago, over the last what four five games six games maybe Rocket averaged eighteen points a game. Yeah. You know it was absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. And let let's say what we we need to, which is that. Rocket Watts will always be a Spartan if for no other reason than he is a slayer of Duke and a slayer of Michigan. Mm-hmm. Here, here, here. I mean, he took down both of those teams. I don't want to say single-handedly, but like, I mean, it was a massive contributor to those W's. And but for that Michigan win, you can almost be certain we were not in the tournament based upon how things shook out. Yeah. So, yep. you know, uh, Rocket Watts, we will always remember as a guy who who made that happen. Yeah. And, you know, let's not forget last year, we were, what, on a three-game skid at the end of late in the season? Yeah. And and Rocket kind of dug us out of that. So, yeah, maddening, like, you know, infuriating at times, but still a Spartan. And I will, for sure, unless he goes to Maryland, root for that dude and hope he finds his shot again because he is an electric player. When he's on, he is absolutely electric. So, all right, Rocket, go green. Uh, Greg, ads. Oh, guys, I got something to tell you. Gather round, ye, and let me spin you a yarn about Mr. Brandon Sands. Now, you might ask yourself, who is Brandon Sands? And I say to you, Brandon Sands is the finest mortgage loan originator to ever walk this planet. The finest ever. Imagine this. Imagine you've closed 10,000 loans, at least. Imagine that you have a consultative approach and imagine that rates are under 4%. Now, let me tell you something. You have the opportunity, nay, the obligation to contact Mr. Brandon Sands at rate.com slash Brandon Sands. That's rate.com slash Brandon with an E, Sands with a Z, and say, Mr. Sands, I hear you originate a damn fine loan. Let's work together. And you know what he'll say to you? He'll say, I've been waiting for this call my entire life. And then you two will begin your mortgage journey together. Maybe it's a refinance. Maybe it's a brand new house. Maybe you're consolidating high interest debt. What's important, what's important is you take this opportunity to reach out to Brandon Sands at rate.com slash Brandon Sands. Again, that's rate.com slash Brandon Sands. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. It really felt like you were carrying that entire ad by yourself (laughs) and really fell down an island and had to really sell it hard. Brandon's a good dude. Go to the website. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I'm actually a little bit concerned about you. Kevin, <laughs> I want to I want to make sure that you're okay. <laughs> you're, did Brandon? That was, is Brandon that was there? truly you, desperate. Is yeah. he standing behind you right yeah. now? Is, you, do you need Does help? he have your family hostage? <laughs> is there a problem? 
let's head off Grand River, and um, we've got a number of topics to kind of go through, uh, some a little bit longer than others. Where do we want to start? Mm. You want to start with Roy? Uh, yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the big story of the week, right? The big story of the week is that old Roy, which is what Dunkin' Donuts calls its donuts that they named after him for the uh, NCAA tournament. This is a real story. You should look it up. The old Roy. Uh, Roy Williams of UNC is uh, hanging it up and doing so on uh, April Fool's Day. Thank you, Roy, for making me check yeah check like four different references before i was willing to reach out to my unc co-worker and ask for a you know thoughts and a comment on the story like i had to vet that thing for like 15 minutes uh uh that morning so uh, this is i mean it's a huge huge opening in the sport and a guy that i mean has had some incredible teams three championships Lots of ACC championships, um, a unbelievable career, uh, and um, natties. Yeah, yeah, three natties. I mean, Izzo would love to only have- two there. Yeah, three natties. No, doesn't he have three there? He's got oh. two thousand nine. He had one before, and then he had one after. Oh, he had one at Kansas, so. Uh, did he actually have one at Kansas? I think he lost I, in the final oh, four. Oh, did he win in the Kansas. national game? Okay. I, I know he, I thought he won it and then took the UNC job, which everyone was like, what? No, he famously had that like line right after they lost about how he didn't give yeah. a damn about Carolina. Oh, right, 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 right. right. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Um, But that's a huge, huge opening. So I. I, I haven't been reading the coaching speculation. I honestly don't know what UNC fans are expecting there, but that's, I mean, say what you will, but I Carolina, don't know that there's a, that's one. Of I don't the know there's a stronger jobs. brand, right? Like in college basketball. I mean, yeah. I thought that that team, I thought that that brand and that team in 2009, the way that he had them rolling um, and they would only end up winning one other championship in the next 10 years uh, was going to be like, I thought that they were, they were about to go off for like Alabama football style, basically. Um, Cause it's a huge brand. You got Jordan, you got just Carolina generally. You got, yeah, the Duke you got the Duke thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a- and, and iconic. Let's be honest by, by way of, of uniforms. And I, I know that's trivial, but not really. They have some of the nicest uniforms in all of college basketball. Do you remember when they used to have the little Tar Heel symbol tramp stamp yes. on the back of the, the uniform? Yes. That was a nice yeah. look. Yeah. That was a nice <laughs> chef's uh, kiss. Do you, think Mark Few would, do you think Mark Few would take it from Gonzaga? No. No? I, I mean, I wouldn't either. But I think he curious. might have at one point, but I don't think he's taking it now. I bet Mike Krzyzewski uh, goes over there. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I can win anywhere. <laughs> sir, sir, you went to North Carolina. <laughs> That's not anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it's it, the only thing I'll say is it's reported that old Roy hung it up because, among other reasons, not not the least of which, let's point, he was getting up there in seniority, um, but that he was not comfortable with the changes that were coming to the transfer portal and for name, image, and likeness. I mean, Roy, is that reported or is that rumored? Yeah, uh, that that's 
It came from blue check marks. I mean, like, I, you know, I don't even say it came from reporters. He's not on record saying it, if that's what you're you're asking. And no. it, it might not be that he doesn't support it or he has a, an issue with it. It could be that he's looking at this like this is just going to be a brand new world that old yeah, was not part built of for. Yeah. Yeah, may well be. Um, but either way, it, you know, absolutely a legendary coach. Uh, and, uh, you know, in many ways will be missed. Yeah. That's true because I think someone's going to take that job and do very well with it. Mm. Probably maybe better than he did, but yep. Three championships can't be argued with. No, 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 no. Uh, do you want to talk about the Supreme court or do you want to talk about Drew Valentine next? Uh, we can run through the other things quickly. So let's do the Supreme court while we can. Um, so as we've been mentioning over the past few weeks, uh, there is a case in the Supreme Court currently, Alston v. the NCAA, um, which is a a case that is essentially about what are the educational-related expenses that schools are allowed to provide to student-athletes. So you may say, uh, why is that a big deal? Well, you know, if at Clemson, you can get a top of the line iPad as just part of being a student athlete, whereas at another school, you're not, then um, that creates inequities, some would argue. Um, The student athletes in this case would argue quite the opposite, which is that I bring in more value. And so therefore, I should be compensated in certain ways for that. Uh, it is not a name, image, and likeness case, and and particularly, actually, the issue is related to antitrust laws. Well, um, in that, can can I? I mean, it it, 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 yeah. it also seems important to note what this is also not about, which is they're not don't they don't seem to be asking that every college athletic department be required to offer every single one of these benefits to every single you know student athlete, right? But simply that they have the option to do so. Am, am I do I interpret that right? You, you do, and that's exactly why it's an antitrust case, is because what has happened is that the NCAA, and the, which is a collection of colleges and universities, have gotten together and they've said, this is the cap on the dollars you can give to a student athlete for educational-related expenses. And the student athletes are arguing, I thought you all were supposed to be in competition with each other. Well, and so hold on, because I, I completely agree with you. How then does the NCAA justify putting a cap there, but putting no cap on coach uh, salaries, right? Which is, which is completely market-based, right? Which is why the schools would say they have to pay Izzo this many million and Krzyzewski this many million and Drew Valentine this many hundreds of thousands of dollars. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you're getting to the heart of, of what they're pointing to in the hypocrisy Mm. is that, you know, uh, clearly some of these universities have more value than others. Right. And you can see that by the way they pay their coaches. And so, um, you know, though that can't be entirely true because we all know that down in Ann Arbor, their football coach signed a, a poverty deal. Um, <laughs> but, but the, uh, the gist of it is exactly that, that, that first of all, you're, you're allowing coaches to get paid how much. Right. And, and like, clearly there's a product there. And, and also that you all are in competition on that very product because otherwise you wouldn't be offering 
greater there would be uniformity to all these things but but in particular it is that 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 they all literally they all came into agreement on this is the set amount of dollars that we can we can provide for educational related expenses what's interesting is that this case actually comes out of uh, is sort of a subset of another one which I didn't even realize this, but back in the day, they didn't offer full cost of attendance. And so for those who don't know, the full cost of attendance uh, accounts for things like how much does housing cost in your area? Mm -hmm. So let's say you go to Georgetown, right? And you need loans to cover your schooling. You're you're a normal student and you need loans, the, the you will be able to take out more loans than say someone who went to Michigan State where the the cost of living is much lower than Washington DC because you will need literally loans to cover your cost of living mm-hmm. and so athletes get scholarships in accordance with the cost of living now wherein they did not used to get that right so you know it, it is the the NCAA is advocating that they are exempt for amateurism amateurism reasons they've been They've been lobbying Congress very hard to get a specific uh, antitrust exemption. So let me uh, let me ask about that. Concerned? <clears throat> let me yeah. ask about that because the, in their brief to the court, as I understand it, uh, their final brief, they explicitly say that they're not asking the court to rule on the side of them, sort of you know seeking or being granted something about you know antitrust immunity. And so maybe say a word about that because it's very clear that they in fact have been advocating in front of Congress for that. Anytime, you know, they, they can get out in front of something, right. they try to position themselves as such. Can the court see through that? Is the court sort of allowed to see through that? You know, or, or- well, so, so, the, well, first of all, there, that argument is, is both pragmatic <clears throat> in that, um, th- this court in particular is not going to legislate, if you will, right. a, an antitrust exemption. Yeah. Like they, they just, this court is not going to create law where one did not exist, of but the other, the other piece of it is actually has to do with why the NCAA's argument is so uh, murky. I don't mean murky in a pejorative sense, but uh, it is a bit nuanced and clever, if you will. I, I'm not trying to grant them intelligence where they're not do it. But if your product is amateurism, which is what they argue it is, that our, that the thing we sell is amateur athletics – then it's not that we're asking for an exemption from antitrust regulations, but in order to provide amateurism, we need to do these things. We can't let schools provide varying levels of benefits. Otherwise, there wouldn't be true amateurism anymore. It would literally be players getting paid different amounts of money because they go to different places. So that's the crux of the NCAA's argument. I mean, it's more complicated than that but that's where they're not asking for it but they are but they're not does that make sense it does it does one last question i guess as i'm trying to continue to process this um is the whole amateurism thing and i'm wondering before 1981 was this actually something that the ncaa held to or or was this truly them sort of cribbing from what john paul stevens wrote in that you know, sort of landmark decision in 81, the Board of Regents of Oklahoma decision where they held that specifically Oklahoma and Georgia, but schools could, could, could negotiate or could contract directly with, you know, television uh, providers or uh, cable networks basically to sell games, you know, what, what games they would broadcast. Before that, I guess I didn't realize this, the, the NCAA controlled which teams 
were broadcast yes. on which days and which games, which is insane. Right. And so you talk about antitrust, but that was what that was. And so, and John Paul Stevens wrote the this decision for the court where he sort of said, you know, in order to preserve the character and quality of the quote product end quote, athletes must not be paid. And the question since it's sort of been, was that a throwaway line? Was he simply regurgitating what someone had said in oral arguments or did he sort of say this and now the NCAA has been running with it? Do you know the answer to that? So I, I don't, well, so uh, no, the NCAA has always been arguing for, for sort of this collective power over student athletes. That's not new. Um, it, yeah. The, so just to, to jump in real quick on there, uh, there's a book about the about how MSU joined the Big Ten called Arrogance and Scheming in the Big Ten. And it goes through the entire history of the Big Ten, which was the first college conference um, in advance of that as well. And mm-hmm. amateurism always existed as part of the game. Um, but then there were always teams obviously skirting it. So like the Boilermakers for Purdue. It's their name that because literally they would cheat and they would hire the local boilermakers to play football for them on the side. Um, and then there have been times of greater and lesser enforcement. Indeed, Michigan left the Big Ten because they were accused of paying players uh, for periods of time and they got snotty and they in took their basketball ball and they left. Uh, this was in the history repeats itself. Time is a flat circle, Michael. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh so yes, amateurism has always been core to the game. Right. Also core to the game has been skirting those rules and yes. uh, and issues surrounding that. So hmm. continue. Sorry. So, no, 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 it's it's a great question and uh, a great point, Greg. The the other th- piece I would say is as you're 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 sort of drilling down on a, a key point about that quote though is that there's something in uh, in law that we call dicta. And hmm. the best way to describe it is uh, it's just shit that a judge writes that doesn't matter. Mm. <laughs> and so, so, you know, good, it, you know, good attorneys will always try and change dicta into law, but dicta can just as easily be dismissed as dicta. the very thing that it is. Yes. And so the, it, you know, the core of the holding, if you were to, to, to say what the court held in that, that board of regents case was that the NCAA can't do what they're doing because it violates antitrust laws. What John Paul Stevens wrote, Justice Stevens wrote, it doesn't have anything to do with anything related to that holding. Right. But again, attorneys will always try and argue that that, for instance, in this particular case, that that language was key to the holding. And so you can't ignore the rule of the court and also ignore this language. So, no, it, it didn't drive it. But as it relates to this particular case, oral arguments happened. And I have to say, I was quite impressed with the justices and their questioning. And that uh, I just want to very briefly read a couple quotes from the least likely sources. Uh, and that is, Justice Kavanaugh says, It does seem that schools are conspiring with competitors to pay no salaries to the workers who are making the schools billions of dollars on the theory that consumers want the schools to pay their workers nothing, <laughs> which you got to the heart of it. Didn't you? <laughs> um, didn't, ex- 
Justice Kavanaugh was also quoted during oral arguments saying, that seems entirely circular and even somewhat disturbing, which, <laughs> welcome to the party, Justice Kavanaugh. Um, Justice He's Alito. He's a baseball guy. He, he, doesn't, yeah. he hasn't been paying attention to college sports. Um, I, Justice Alito, who is you know, maybe my least favorite justice. <laughs> Make it uh, political here on the podcast. Nope. Just <laughs> because justices generally rule in favor of free speech. It used to be always be 9-0. Justice Alito makes it 8-1. Um, the, you know, even Justice Alito was pointing out, Plum, to your point, about the 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 enormous amounts of money that are being spent on, on coaches' salaries, athletic departments, facility upgrades. Uh, yet athletes don't live a life of luxury that for the most part, they face training requirements uh, that leave little time for actual schoolwork, uh, constant pressure to put sports above school, um, pressure to drop out of hard classes, take easy majors. Uh, and, and what the, what justice Alito described as shocking graduation rates and only a tiny percentage go on to make money as a professional. So it, this is all by way of saying that uh, even some of the corners of, you know, the most, what could be described as pro-business corners of the court were very skeptical of the NCAA's argument. So this is a really very fascinating case on a very narrow topic about education-related expenses, but it goes to the, to the heart of what the NCAA argues it is. And this could forever redefine how we view student athletes and potentially in a, in a groundbreaking way. And so um, I hope listeners found that at least mildly interesting and didn't uh, get bothered by us. I'm going to, I'm not going to let us move on from this quite yet. Two questions okay. for the podcast. One, we all are college fans. Is it amateurism that drives our particular fandom? Plum? It's love of all modern. Yeah. If it, if it, all of a sudden they weren't technically amateurs. Thy shadows <laughs> when twilight silence falls. There's, there's a question for you. Yeah, that's, save it. that's foreshadowing right there. Uh, I think we can all agree that we, as we sit down in Breslin Center or uh, at Spartan Stadium or in you know wherever it is that you're enjoying a, a Spartan Am, uh, athletics event, we're not like basking in the amateurism. In that moment. No. Um, well, and also, you, you make a, po- a point that I just, I, I, we we would be remiss if we didn't touch on for just a moment, which is that um, we often talk about the, the name, image, and likeness and the value that it brings in the terms of revenue generating sports. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to find the list here. Here it is. Um, so in terms of social media presence which is to say, you know, what revenue can you generate from your social media? The top five most followed athletes um, on elite eight teams and their potential name, image, and likeness earnings, four out of the five were women's basketball players. If you take it to the top 10, it's eight out of the top 10 are women. 10 out of the top 20 are women. So I, I just... I just bring that up because we it's worth remembering that the value of name, image, and likeness and what that's able to generate for you as we talk about amateurism, we've been guilty of looking at it through the lens of revenue generating sports. And that is 
as as is evidenced literally by what you could convert by just putting ads in your social media feed is is wholly false it's projected that um uh page is it bukers has approximately 730,000 followers could be generating $382,000 a year from her social media following hmm. haley van lith $965,000 from her social media following um Jaden Owens is uh, three hundred ten. Zaya Cook is one hundred seventy eight thousand. Like, I mean, this is real money. This is generational wealth money that that athletes could be collecting over the course of of four years. Indeed. And and I think we shouldn't we shouldn't sleep on that. Indeed. So. And I'll I'll admit I'm surprised. Although it makes sense to me now that uh, women female student athletes have have much more presence on on social media um final question no actually i'm going to take the final question and it's this is dicta the same as ditka or are they different that was such a better uh, final question than i had so. it is it is very similar to dick vital's contract being renewed <laughs> through 2024 good. very good oh I, my god i hoped so I'd hope so. Everything Dick Vitale says is dicta. It is also um, ditka. Listen, I want to talk about Drew Valentine now because I'm so happy, confused, upset, happy, confused. I have a lot of emotions about this. Um, Why? What is making you so emotional about this? He's so young to be the head coach at Loyola of Chicago That's after right. a yeah. somewhat impressive run. In fact, what happened to their other coach? Was he fired? No, he took the no, job he- at... Uh... Why would you do that? I mean, Loyola Chicago. What is? I don't know where they. What are they playing? What is that? Loyola Chicago. Who? Where is? Are is they it a, Horizon League? No, it's not Horizon. It's, is it Horizon? No, it's not. Is it? Well, Oakland's Horizon. I, I don't know. Um, I should. You're you're making Maybe a slip in front of the podcast. You guys. It must be. I referee in the Horizon, so one would expect that I would know this, but I don't know. It must be Missouri Valley. Missouri, Missouri Valley. Valley. Okay. There Thank you. Go. I didn't think so. God, um, bail us out. <laughs> anyway, uh, embarrassing. Missouri Valley. Cut that. Icky. So, uh, anyway, I, that's just, it's surprising. He seems young for a position. Uh, maybe not. I guess Missouri Valley is not that big of a deal. Never mind. I just guess they made, every year they make a run in the tournament. You know, they get some status from that. I don't know. Uh, former grad assistant for MSU, obviously, uh, brother of uh, Denzel, former Oakland player himself. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, I, I guess the point is shining star, right? Right. Huge future in front Huge of him. Huge future. Uh, assuming he does okay at this. Yeah. Um, you know, look for him to be on the move. Uh, I'm sure at some point in time we will have to get into a, uh, we'll have to fill some summer content on who would take Tom Izzo's job. Yeah. I was just going to uh, say, you see Loyola Chicago and another elite eight, something like that. All of a sudden Valentine's on lists to replace. Uh, Izzo. All right. Dwight Stevens ain't going to be happy about that, but let's talk about that uh, this summer. So uh, let's do two other, uh, two other notes. Uh, one is, cause I don't want to talk about the MLB moving their all-star game. Um, Jordan Bohannon. Uh, Please be Jordan Bohannon. Yeah. That's yes, so good. About- it's so good. He's funny. So for those who don't know, Jordan Bohannon was a guard, is a guard. It's He's deciding what he wants to be. <laughs> those uh, who don't know. Everyone listening to this knows. 
for the University of Iowa and uh, via the notes app. <laughs> Jordan, <laughs> Jordan Bohannon <laughs> writes a ransom note that pretty much says if you don't pass name, image and likeness for uh, in Iowa, I will not come back for my sixth year, which. What? Yeah. Bohannon, I got news for you, man. You're not making 300K off of your social media, my no, dude. No, no, you're not. But you could. You could. So that ransom didn't quite work because actually no one cares, not even Fran McCaffrey. But <laughs> what did get him into trouble was the ransom he decided to put onto Twitter. So this I didn't know. You know, March Madness brands all kinds of garbage and they love it. And, you know, folks want to get their hands on stuff that comes through the tournament. I actually randomly have a March Madness jacket that was given to me as a gift um, from the March Madness that didn't happen last year. Huh? Who knew? Oh, beautiful. Uh, yeah. So that's that's a collector's item. Might it be. Is. Might be. I put it in the dryer and shrunk it a little bit, so I'm sure it's almost useless now. But oh, that's boy. neither here nor there. The point is uh, they have these rugs, three by five foot rugs, and the players go mad for them. Why? After all of their athlete's foot drenched bodies stepping on them you would want to keep said rug but they do and apparently ncaa will give away half the garbage they give these guys but the rugs they can't take so bohannon what does he do packs up the rug and takes it back uh, when iowa left the tournament and then posted a picture of it on twitter basically saying the rug is secured give us the ability to make money off our own name and we'll give you your rug back you have 24 hours <laughs> <laughs> and that's great and and uh, then I don't know, a couple days later, he has to tweet out, maybe it was the next day, has to tweet out a mea culpa basically and saying, basically the NCAA has agreed that we can keep the rug, but I have to apologize. And then this great one liner, no one is denying the incredible opportunities the NCAA provides for athletes like myself. Oh no. Oh, we're grateful. Oh, Jordan, are they behind you, buddy? Yeah. I can relate. <laughs> yeah. Are they the in the room twice. with you? Ooh. Blink twice if you're okay. Icky, <laughs> icky, icky, icky. Uh, so, Jordan, um, don't go into a life of crime. You're terrible. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but was he one of the guys who met with Mark Emmerich? I yes. don't know. I think yeah. so. Okay. Um, anyway, the the last thing I want to uh, uh, chat about is, did you guys saw this? We have it on the outline, so you can see it in front of me. I'm aware of this, but I don't know of any, you know, recent updates on it. No. So, uh, Anthony, I, I'm saying it correctly, right? Ioni? Yeah. Ioni, yeah. 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 Uh, Anthony Ioni, who is a uh, former Michigan State basketball player and um, is a uh, autism advocate um, and uh, I believe uh, has autism himself. Mm -hmm. Um, not, I believe I, I know that to be true has started it. We're in autism, uh, awareness month, autism acceptance month, actually, uh, which is all about acknowledging that there are tons of wonderful people who have autism and, uh, you know, that, that it doesn't need to be the, the stigma that they're just people who are a bit different. Um, and so, uh, I just, uh, I, I wanted to shout this out because, uh, for a variety of reasons, it's, it's sort of become important on my end of the microphone that uh uh anthony started a trick shot uh sort of contest for the month which you know compare it to your ice bucket challenge uh but is is all about um just raise, raising awareness and it, it felt like we would not be doing it a service as spartans 
uh, if we didn't say that uh, that he's got a wonderful thing. Shouted out the Rock to get involved in the the trick shot um, challenge, and so it just was a, a very cool thing that he's doing. And he he called out a number of very amazing organizations that not only provide resources for parents uh, to to sort of get educated and and get involved and and help them through through the process of, of raising and supporting children with autism, but also providing resources for children with autism, uh, you know, like sensory rooms, et cetera. So anyway, uh, follow him on Twitter, check him out. And, uh, if you feel so inclined, shoot a trick shot and, uh, and tag some people that you care about. Mm. So here, here, uh, plum, talk to me about preserved homemade. All right, Michael Jones. Well, Preserved Homemade is a goods and provisions store bringing all of us the tastes of home in the form of homemade treats. Now, listen, what I like about Preserved Homemade is that they are keeping the traditions of home-baked goods alive by carefully and nurturingly baking some of the best cookies, breads, cakes, pies, the things that you want to sort of, you know, uh, uh, what am I trying to say? Uh, you, you that well, you get that Eats. sweet tooth. You get that Eats. sweet tooth. You want to nosh on something. You want to. Yeah. You want to be. You want to just fall into some doughy, sugary goodness. And you don't want to do this all the time because no one wants type two diabetes. But but you do want to do it sometime. And if you're going to do it sometimes, Mother. you want to do it in the most quality way you can. And that's why you go to Preserved Homemade. So take it from me, chocolate chip cookie, never had anything better in my life than the chocolate chip cookie from Preserved Homemade. I would encourage everyone to go check it out. And you'll find things that they go beyond the simple. They like to, there's in-depth, they do seasonal, they do this, they do that. So go check them out on Instagram, Preserved underscored homemade. You can find them on Twitter at Preserved H or head to the website at preserved-homemade.com. Treat yourself or someone you love to some homemade goodness. Wonderful. Guys, you know what time it is? It's spring training for Twitter questions. All right. All right. So I've made it official. The power rankings are coming back in May. So You you just think unilaterally you can just do this? You could just make a call like that? Wow. Yep, I did. As the uncredited third host, I want to object. Still uncredited. Still uncredited. We got to We got to We, we got to have a production meeting afterwards about the yeah. the yeah. icon. Yeah, Greg, get on get on the it's, it's gotta uh, on the, on the, it's gotta the logo. There's yeah. gonna be a logo. Now that I'm saying it on the pod, I'm committed to it. There's gonna be a logo update this logo week. Update. Check it out. It will be professionally unprofessional. Mm. That's uh, how all right, let's start it off. That's great. Uh, Anthony Garvert up first. Who you got, Zags or Baylor? I got Zags, and in fact, I called these two in the final. So, uh, yeah. Great work. I took uh, Illinois like a chump. Uh, I'm going to also take the Zags. They are more efficient on offense and on defense. Generally, the team that is that wins. Counterpoint, they went to overtime with UCLA. I'm taking Baylor. (laughs) Ultimate Cinderella, UCLA Bruins. (laughs) Mm. Mm. We've got more on that later. All right, Garvert, prop bet of the week. How many more years Izzo coaches at MSU versus the number of Big Ten games Mike Woodson wins at Indiana next year? Over under, over under is five and a half. I'm gonna add. I'm gonna add on to Garvert's prop bet. I'm gonna add on you, number you of times Mark Few has turned down the Indiana job. Oh God! Also, or, or the UNC game, yeah, or the UNC job. 
Uh, well, uh, I'm going to say, oh, God, five and a half more years for Izzo? I don't know. Maybe? Uh, man. I know. It doesn't seem likely, does it? But Woodson's but- got to win more than five games at IOU in the Big Ten season, right? I will say this. I look at Tom Izzo, and I don't see a... I don't see a man that you're asking about when is he going to retire. That's a good point. All right, like, over. Like you, you looked at you looked at Mark D'Antoni and you're like, all right, when's he going to retire? Tom Izzo, I don't see that question. Mm-hmm. It, it's literally how much longer is he going to go? Like it, it's not a when's he going to retire. It's how much longer can he coach? I think I'd take over. I'm taking the over. Yeah. Tom Izzo. All right, over. I'm it is the over. Great. Also. Mark Few has been offered the Indiana job at least seven times. Yeah, um, correct. <laughs> All right, Jonesy. Uh, why does at Sheehan Shorts uh, Shorts Shorts <laughs> Sheehan Shorts hate fun slash UCLA, which are apparently the same thing in college basketball Twitter today? Um, uh, this is in reference, I believe, to the belief that UCLA didn't deserve to be there, and we shouldn't care that much about that that game against Gonzaga, which is just the worst take, right? Uh, yeah, it's a bad take. Uh, but Matt Sheehan, um, uh, I guess adjacent friend of the pod in that Will Hunter's been on, but Matt has not, um, host of locked on Spartans. Yeah. Sheehan shorts, which he will, uh, if he has a Wikipedia page, we should change it to Sheehan shorts. Um, Wikipedia page. (laughs) I know. Uh, (laughs) but anyway, um, Taylor, if, if you know, Matt, um, you, you know that he's prone to. Um, overreactions. He's he's built for the overreaction, and then he calms down. I think uh, you look back and you could say UCLA was a Cinderella run, and sure, does it make sense that when they came up against Gonzaga that they lost? Yes, but we were so close to being so elated for them and their, their plucky undeservingness. So um, Matt's wrong, but if you look at it objectively, of course they were going to lose to Gonzaga. Right. I mean, the line was plus 14 for UCLA. Yeah, but they very almost didn't lose to Gonzaga. So. No. I, 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 oh, yeah. No, I, I get it. I'm just saying that it wasn't totally unexpected that they lost to Gonzaga. Also, if you lost it, money on that because you thought UCLA is going to get blown out by more than 14, like these are NCAA tournament games. Like you, you can't get upset when you. Uh, yeah. How many more people does UCLA need to beat for you? Exactly. To think, <laughs> like. Uh, yeah. all right. This next one, Plum, uh, do you want to handle this or do you, or, uh, maybe I should, um, from Beelis three, my daughter. <clears throat> so this was, uh, this is something that we were aware of, uh, as, as host of the podcast. Um, very appreciative to, uh, Brandon for keeping us in the loop on this. Uh, and he, uh, he asked us a question. In Not reference. Brandon Sands, to be clear. Right, correct. Brandon List, uh, Bealus 3, friend of the pod. Uh, my daughter has been in the NICU for 80 days, mm. of course. His daughter, Robin, uh, born <clears throat> prematurely. Uh, and, uh, and But she's, my understanding is that she has uh, been steadily improving. So th- that is fantastic. But of course, um, appreciate anyone uh, – sending thoughts to uh to brandon and and his family but anyway uh daughter's been in the NICU for 80 days when i sing the msu shadows to her her heart rate lowers and oxygen level improves i say this to jones your opinion 
on the song is scientifically incorrect. Go Grid. Hmm. List, here's all I have to say to you. Go White. We're I, rooting for you, buddy. Indeed. Indeed. And as uh, we, we, very and as we root and as we root for her, we can again confirm that the alma mater is in fact one of the finest songs that does exist. No, did you just run out of did you run out of lullabies? Like let's be objective about this. It's a lullaby. I'm proud of it's you not for a doubling banger. down on this, by yeah. the way. I want I want to point yeah. that out. I'm proud of you for yeah. that. We need but God, you're just so wrong. So wrong. So oh painfully, my God. painfully you wrong. have some of the worst takes. It has to be that there was some important element of love missing from your life at a young age that prevents you from being able to experience any of the esprit de corps that the rest of every single season ticket holder has ever felt while at a Michigan State football game. Arms around their lad's shoulders, swaying sloth- softly and slowly to MSU Shadows. Like, while twilight silence falls while it falls you know what we can we can over the summer have a conversation about fourth grade music with me mm-hmm. and oh. probably why that's been the score oh, music that, theory uh, now now we've got no, it no 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 not music theory it's just be me being called out for being jonesy had a a, a uh it's uh, he had a situation with a recorder with a recorder just never no, no it was it was from. a it was a choral recitation oh. Oh. anyway elon bloom is up next uh, at b list we do love you and uh indeed, indeed. Uh, all the thoughts to robin uh and go go white um elon bloom up next Considering the extensive use of the transfer portal, how long will it take for Tucker to get his get the players he needs for his plans? Is seven years reasonable, guys? Uh, how many years does it take to get guys to sleep fast? Huh? Who's sleep? Who's sleeping fast out there? Sleeping fast. Uh, I, several years. Has the <laughs> has the transfer portal? Let me let me rephrase Elon Bloom's question. Has the transfer portal and the additions we've made reframed your expectations for this next year in any way? No, for me, they no. so honestly it, have if, not. if we if we got no one in the transfer portal, the number of wins you would expect of this team would be identical. I think we are maybe plus one win from a from an otherwise unchanged roster with normal attrition. Okay. Are, am I wrong? Am I the only one that feels this way? I'm just very spectacle a spectacle. God, I'm a mess. She hands shorts and I am spectacle. Uh, I'm very skeptical of transfers. Uh, it's sort of a I'll believe it when I see it sort of thing. Sure. That's fair. Great. <laughs> okay. Great. Next up from Elon Bloom. Plum, how many more football players will transfer out after spring spring practice? I think there will be one. One player will transfer out uh, because he will have already been on the bubble and Tucker will have already been talking to him about meeting uh, his size and, uh, and uh, uh, psychology regimen for the program, and uh, mm-hmm. that player will just not have performed. And so, Izzo, or uh, sorry, Tucker will kick him right into the portal, and out he will go. Uh, next up from uh, Elon Bloom, what will you talk about over the summer? We're going to break down what happened to Michael Jones in fourth grade with yep. that music class yep. and why yep. he... a degree of vigor. Uh, here to four on scene vim, vim and vigor we might the add the problem is you just destroy credibility of the podcast like half next the time up is raymond chains <laughs> <laughs> half half the time at least probably greater than half 60 percent. continue yeah. from raymond should i quit is it just are, am i just here for my voice yeah it's a good voice though it is a good voice 
it, it adds credibility without the words matching it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. That's fair. Uh, Raymond Chains up next. The plot is detailed. The direction is crisp. Oh, wait. What? Greg. Oh, my God. Greg. You you included an entire conversation between John Hubbard and Raymond Chains about the Winter Soldier. This is great. No, they'll <laughs> nope. leave this in. <laughs> nope. I want them to see this. All right. Uh, first, Raymond Chains, can you reintroduce the minute of hate? That was a good minute. Raymond, summer, summer's coming. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> the next uh, next up from Raymond Chains. This week on Behind the Scenes with Tom Izzo, the coach must convince Joey Hauser that becoming a professional wrestler isn't in his immediate future, slash, or desperate to keep his edge. So, oh, sorry, rather, or desperate to keep his edge, Izzo hires a new age life coach to cultivate his quote inner harmony and vitality. End quote. The team isn't pleased. What's Hauser's uh, Mexican wrestler persona, do you think? Joey Nacho. <laughs> I don't like him, and I hope that he Jose, does become a professional Jose Bowser? wrestler. Yeah. Jose Bowser? Jose Bowser. Uh, I mean, he defends like he's Bowser. <laughs> Very flat-footed. I just want him to be out there. He becomes our new enforcer on the court. I want to see him out there eating in nachos while he's playing. <laughs> Uh, so are we going with the Hauser? I'm going with Hauser. Hauser. Yeah, I'm going with Hauser. Hauser. It's Hauser. All right. Next up. Next up. Plum. Go ahead. (laughs) Why has Michigan become such a COVID filthy state? I thought Whitmer was a boss. I think that Wolverine athlete is to blame. U of M. They're not good people. (laughs) Can you get upset about that comment really fast? Uh, Greg, just get, just get worked up for a minute. Oh, just for a minute, a full minute of hate. It just, uh, I just get so no. oh, I just get so mad to Wolverine. I just get so mad at that of people. Oh, I just get so mad. I just oh. love when you get mad. It's my favorite. Uh, so the the it is a little strange. Though, it's strange. Right? It's strange. It's strange. It's What's strange. What's happening? Yeah, I don't actually fully understand it. Uh, it I, I don't. <laughs> you would you would expect to see you would expect to see you would expect to see this kind of uh, jump in rates targeting other Midwestern states too. It's not as if Michigan has an earlier than average uh, spring uh, spring break rate. It isn't as if our our state does more spring breaking than others. I'm trying to, you know, because you look for you look for those factors that would um, that would put us at it's a higher been risk. Trending this way for a few weeks, right? Fine, mm-hmm. but it you there there should be what is unique about Michigan compared to other states, and there are states that have opened up farther and faster and wider than we have. You know, we're still not there yet. So it's a combination of factors. I mean, I will say that some of our hardest hit areas continue to be in um, cities with majority black populations. Uh, there is still a lot of mistrust around vaccines uh, among those populations. So, you know, in, De- in Detroit, well, all of Michigan. I mean, we've done so we've been so effective at getting vaccines in folks arms in Michigan that starting tomorrow, actually, everyone older than 16 is now eligible for a vaccine. Yeah. Um, you know, so you I get my shot tomorrow. Great. See, so. But anyway, I'm, I'm just saying I'm providing context. Like it's not that we're it's not that we don't have the vaccines. We have a ton of them. We're we're giving them out to just about everybody that wants them. The problem is, it turns well, out I, that a lot of folks I, that need them aren't getting them. This may be a silly question, but many states, most states, in fact, um, or a large number anyway, uh, allowed uh, high school athletics to continue mm-hmm. during uh, COVID, yeah, including and Michigan, Michigan. Michigan. Well, Michigan did not for a time, right? Um, and then did 
to, and to then, some extent and also did not. I mean, like they weren't allowing indoor sports to go forward. Right. No, Basketball's they were going forward. Basketball yeah. was hockey was. Oh, did they? Was, okay. Wrestling. Wrestling was. was. Mm-hmm. But not until not until earlier this year, though. I mean, they weren't doing that in the fall, were they? I don't think they were. Oh, doing that no, in the fall. no, not in the fall. No, but that's that's my point is that me. I, I know it's I, I don't know what the, the, the percentage of population we've been talking about, but like some of this stuff has got to be because the governor backed off of some of her hard lines. Right. That that suddenly populations that were maybe a bit at a bit less at risk because of measures that were put into place. Now, this is a new spike. This isn't you can't attribute it to the things that many months ago. That's not how the disease works. So it's, you know, it's a good thought. I mean, it's a good thought. And so there, I guess what, what I would take your point is evidencing is that there is there are other hidden factors that I just don't know. And they're not they're just they're clearly not observable. Um, I. I, I truly don't know. I, 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 I don't know. Yeah. I, what's really strange to me is I don't see behavior changing around us that much. Right. But I am in a, you know, college town in the middle of the state. So I'm, my exposure to this is limited. But when, when I go out, I'm seeing mask wearing. I'm seeing. I do too. Not very many large crowds. I got to imagine there's more home gatherings happening because some people are vaccinated and people just assume it's safe. Yeah. I think that's probably part of it, but again, you should be seeing that everywhere. You shouldn't just be seeing that here. Yeah. Nope. Yep. That's fair. Anyway. Uh, great question, Raymond. The answer is there is no answer. Yeah. It's, it's baffling. it's baffling. Um, last from Raymond chains. I don't know what this is in reference to. <laughs> do you have teeth and feet? I, I do. Maybe, maybe I pulled that in from somewhere else. Um, but Raymond, nope, that was a question. <laughs> Do you, do you want to see my teeth and feet, Raymond? Because, like, I'll show you if you want. <laughs> Next up Reach is John out. Hubbard. Reach out, Raymond. Uh, he says, I'll confess that I stole this question from a thread I saw a few days ago. Winter Soldier was a frequent mention in the comments. I haven't seen it yet, but I guess I probably should. Uh, Greg, would you agree Winter Soldier worth watching uh i've enjoyed the two episodes that i've watched so far it's uh a little no, bit more conventional I think, he, I, th- I think he means the movie no no i think he actually means tinker taylor soldier spy also a good film but dull but, um yeah. both of them I think very means, dull i think he means captain america winter soldier oh uh, yeah that no. one's definitely worth watching that one's fantastic yeah yeah winter solstice uh, but, great but if you're referring to the to the new series out yeah, it's good. Greg, um, what is in your superhero movie Ring of Honor? Ooh. His is, no particular order, Logan, Dark, Knight, Super, uh, Spider-Man 2, and Wonder Woman. Honorable mention, uh, Days of Future Past, and Spider-Verse. I'm going to keep Spider-Man 2 in mind. Uh, I'm going to add in maybe Avengers 1, and I'm going to add in Batman... 1980s version as well as i need one more uh batman one tim burton batman um i need one more i'm gonna take uh i don't know what it is but i just watched birds of prey this weekend and it was really good actually worth watching should i stick I should stick around for longer than 10 minutes because I got bored in the first 10. Oh, it's fantastic. It, like, Edwin McGregor shows up and he kind of steals the whole show, but also it's very okay. good as well. Does the um, ambiguously great. gay duo count? <laughs> yes, okay. they do. Great. Okay. They do. Uh, That's your whole ring of honor. That's my whole ring of honor. Last, 
Last question from John Hubbard. Is it wrong for me to hope that Rocket stays on the team just so I can hear plum bitch about him? So, John, I had my annual wellness visit this week, and you'll be happy to know that my doctor is concerned enough that I had to buy a home blood pressure cuff uh, to to check for pre-hypertension. So your hope is very likely would very likely kill me as I already had to stay awake for up to an hour after games just to get to a resting pulse rate sufficient that I could fall asleep. This, this is Plum slowly exiting from the pod. Yeah, it is. Sorry, guys. My doctor said I, <laughs> I can't do it anymore Do- because it's doctor's note for the pod. It's killing me. It's, it's uh, killing me. <laughs> next up, the your guy. Uh, what do you expect from Gabe Brown next year, Greg? Uh, I expect to think about his game, upper deck jerk guy. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's fair. Uh, do who do you? This isn't a question. Who do you expect to be the leading scorer? Uh, rapid fire, go. We had this last week, right? I th- I think I I relented and said Hauser, uh, but it probably should be Gabe. Yeah, what about I'm, you? I'm go. I'm Gabe. I'm Team Gabe. One hundo. Abraham. Yeah. <clears throat> what about you, Jonesy? All right. Uh, I think it's Hauser. I I just it, Gabe has. I want it to be Gabe, but I, I just I haven't seen enough. Um, all right. Uh, <laughs> well, we should give this to Plum as the outsider. Uh, upper deck jerk guy. Second question: uh, How would you rate the three hosts? Uh, mine is Plum, Grooch on vacation, and then question askers. <laughs> I like that. That's good. I think that's mine too. Actually, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, last up from the upper deck jerk guys can you tell me about a kid named Amani Bates <laughs> uh, he's a basketball player and some people say he's good and he's probably going to go play uh-huh. in the G League anyway let's move on yeah. to CT and TC uh, Jones if you had to go into witness protection what would you pick for your new alias um, upper deck jerk guy <laughs> um i actually i would probably go with um maybe a um i think a foster lawyer would be a great Mm. (laughs) inconspicuous next door neighbor uh name you gotta have the gucci belt buckle to sell it though yeah for sure next up from ct and tc plum how many days a week do you wear sweatpants or athletic shorts uh that's a good question probably less than one day but i do wear i do wear them for part of the day you know if i'm in the gym but like all day no never although i guess i should more i mean i do work from home i think that's his point Hmm. if i had to guess i actually get dressed Uh, i get dressed every day you do you you actually get dressed dressed fully and sit down you 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 put the pleated khakis i get the pleated khakis on i put on like a really big uh, face mask i grow a very large white mustache i uh, bend over and look inconsolable. I negotiate terrible contract re-ups for myself. I do it all. Great. Uh, besides Izzo, who are the other college basketball coaches that would turn down a godfather offer from UNC? I mean, there aren't many. Um, Mark Few. Yeah, Mark Few is one. Who's you know, the asshole uh, at Kansas that just got a lifetime contract? Yep, so, that, Self, so that he wouldn't. Probably. So that he wouldn't go to the UNC. I mean, anyone in a top 10 program is probably not making the switch over to UNC. But, I mean, there's Beheim. there are not many. Yeah, Beheim. <laughs> uh, Jay Wright. 
Mm. I don't know about that, actually. I guarantee Jay Wright's not that old or not that young. He's he's fifty eight. Like he's not. God. He's not making uh, Thad Mata because it like me would kill him. So, <laughs> um, uh, who else? Um, I was gonna say Patino, but I think we all know that he, if he could get out of the sanctions, would absolutely take up that job. Patino has said that he's happy with where he's at that's, right now. That's not true because he's not happy Nobody with himself. Nobody believes it. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, we could probably come up with a more. That's a good question. Um, Greg Gard. Greg Gard could not handle that moment, I will say. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think Greg Gard <laughs> knows that about himself. All right. Uh, last up is Mama Maple Leaf, who asks, movie Easter eggs are hidden references, clues, or inside jokes that have been inconspicuously placed in TV shows, video games, and movies. If making a film about this past year's MSU sports seasons, what... Easter egg, would you hide, not counting the Saturn V that I've already hidden? That's a what is that a that's a rocket? I, I assume that that's a, a rocket Watts reference mm. uh being made there. Uh um, did the Saturn V explode at some point well before it was supposed exactly to? Exactly like right there on the launch pad. <laughs> she was a, a challenger, a challenger. A challenger. Because that I would completely understand. Womp womp. Uh, let's see what, what's good. I would put a, uh, I'd put like a, what's the, where's the, in Star Trek, where's the place that people beam up and beam down from the, you know what I'm talking about, yeah, right? The beaming pad. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would put one of those holodeck. behind Mel Tucker. Holodeck. No, I'd put one of those behind Mel Tucker's like chair in the office, you know, sort of as a representation of the transfer portal. Mm. Oh, mm-hmm. that's good. That's good. And finally, last question from Mama Maple Leaf. Plum, uh, Upper Deck Share Guy's favorite host. Uh, Putrid describes decaying, rotting organic matter that, that emits a, a fetid smell, according to the dictionary, but also according to Mel Tucker. It describes the 2020 MSU rushing attack. What numbers do Simmons, Hayward, and Collins need to put up to get it smelling like roses. Is that like just smelling better than it smelled last year or Rose Bowl numbers? Oh, my there's a lot of, there are a lot of questions. There. There's a lot to unpack. There's here, a Robert lot to unpack there. Uh, well, let's not forget uh, the uh, Kenneth Walker in these numbers. Yeah, I was just going to well. say, uh, well, which one of you did running backs? That was you, Greg. I did. Right? I did. Well, then you should, I you did. should take this because, I'm afraid to put any number on Connor Hayward because I only know that's an Easter egg that's going to be fetid for sure. Uh, I worry. Let's give the lead rusher 1,500 yards. Okay. Huge, huge season. Pretty good. 1,500 yards. I mean, Rose Bowl. Rose Rose Bowl, baby. Yeah. Yep. And then we need someone backing up with like at least 700 yards. So uh, we'll say Simmons comes in and has 700 yards as well. Mm-hmm. And that's going to put us in put us in a pretty nice spot. Listen, Mamba May. as long as Hayward, we haven't hit 1,500 yards in the last two seasons, right? That's okay. This is a Tucker. This is Tucker's yeah. second season. So that's all you needed to know. Huh? What's the total rushing yeah. that a team usually has in a single season? <laughs> I would say that 1,500 is pretty good. I mean, that's, 15 is a that's, lot. That's, that's over 100 yards a game. Yeah. Um, and like you're in Heisman contention as you're getting higher than that. Sure. So let's say let's say 1,200 yards 
and 15 rushing touchdowns would be good. Would be good. I'm not, I'm not counting just, I'm counting the whole season, not just the regular season. All right. I did the whole thing. Okay. Whole thing. Oh boy. All right. Anyway. Multiple bowl games. Okay. That's right. This has been been multiple bowl games. Okay. This has been uh, a great episode of Can't Read, Can't Write. It hasn't. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We thank you all for sticking with us. Next week, we will preview the defensive positions, and then you will all get your first break from me since we've had the podcast. Ever. Plum. Yippee. It's my time we're about to have. It's my time. Which one of us is going to do hosting duties? You know what? Save it. Gentlemen. Oh, my God. Go green. Go white, Jesse. I can't wait. Go white.